Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for All right, welcome to Talking Giants player profile projection number eight. We're just moving right along with these ones. And we got a really important player today and a guy who could become an important player eventually. We got Janoris Jenkins, Leroy Jenkins. We need to fit that in there somehow. Um, And then CJ Conrad. But obviously we're going to start with Janoris Jenkins. But I'm Bobby Skinner. I host this show called Talking Giants. You may have heard of it. I also have another guy who also hosts the show Talking Giants, Danny King, with me. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, as you, you're right, you do host this show, but I'm also here hosting this show. But I'm doing good. Excited to talk about Grab It. I've asked you how you're doing four times today because we did a regular call, and then we did the call for this, how you doing, and then we did another player profile. So this is the fourth time I've asked you how you're doing. You're doing good every time. That's good to hear. So let's get right into it, though. Janoris Jenkins, Leroy Jenkins, part of the NYPD. He's been on this team for a few years. He was obviously part of that big trio of free agent signings by Jerry Reese with Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon, and himself. And, you know, he's the only one left from that crew. A lot, only left one from, you know, those whole teams, basically. He's 30 years old, 5'10", 190, been in the league for uh, a while now. And he was a second-round pick out of North Alabama. He would have been a first-round, but he got kicked out of the University of Florida. Um, he was someone I paid attention to in college because he was at University of Florida. And he's just been a really good corner in this game um, and what is why he garnered the contract that he did. Um, and But now he's, his role is kind of changing. He Where he was you know, the top corner on the team, but now he's the top corner on the team with a lot of young guys um, that he you know has taken on the role of helping, but he also – you know, they're also trying to take his job eventually. So, it's you know, it's one of those weird situations. And we talked about Eli Manning having Daniel Jones nipping at his heels and that changing him and making him more aggressive. And I think that is kind of be more so with Jenkins because Jenkins is like, if he doesn't play great this year, they're going to move on from him. Um, so these young guys are nipping his heels. And you know what? You know, he kind of left a bad taste in our mouth at the beginning of the season last year. But I think overall, and we'll get into the numbers and, and all that, I think he had a really good year last year, and I, I expect him to have a better one this season. No, yeah, that's something a bunch of us were wondering, especially me. Why did the Giants not trade Janoris Jenkins? But this offseason, their their vision came clear when, when they drafted all those corners. They, they identified the cornerback position as a position of need, and so they got out, got quality guys, DeAndre Baker, Julian Love, Corey Ballantyne, you already have Sam Beal there, 
and they want Janoris Jenkins to be the leader of this group. And in my opinion, he's one of the best guys to be that leader. And I, I respect him a lot because he, he, he took it on that role with pride. He's like, yeah, I want to be the leaders to these guys. They're his little, like, he's the jackrabbit. They're just the little bunnies. They're learning from him. So my, my respect for Janoris Jenkins increased with him because some players like some players wouldn't want to do this role. They want to focus on themselves. But Jack Rabbit, he is here to teach these guys to help them become the future of this game. And I'm happy they didn't train him because, as I said, he was part of this vision of the future. So him helping these guys, I feel like he's one of the best corners to teach these guys because he's been in the league for a while. And while he hasn't been a great corner every single year, he is, from what we had a few years ago, he's the guy I want to be uh What's the word I'm looking for training these guys? I wonder if someone like B.W. Webb training our future cornerbacks, and then that would be a problem. Please, no. The only thing that him and B.W. Webb have in common is that they look alike with their dreads coming out of the helmet, and it's hard to catch who, who which one was which on film. And then you you see so, that 2-0 so. and say that 2-3. Um, so <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, let's go into the numbers, but I really think that, you know, that week two when Tavon Austin burned him, I really think that kind of formed, like, a lot of people's opinions on him, like, oh, he's done. Because he didn't have a good 2017 under McAdoo, you know, the wild year. I think, you know, he was one of the guys that was, just, you know, kicked out of practice and suspended for a game. It was just a weird year. But last year, um, I think he did have a good year, although I, I do think that play left a bad taste in people's mouth, um, bad taste in people's mouths. And, and last year, you know, he finished with 70 tackles, uh, two interceptions, 15 passes defended, which was seventh in the league. Um now, he did have a, a decent amount of targets. He was targeted 21% of the time. Um, but this is a guy covering number one wide receivers. And the, uh, the, the opposing receivers catch per target rate, which is 64%, which is not really good, but that's good against number one wide receivers. Um, for the season, he had 69 catches, 868 yards against them. I'm not sure where that stacks up next to other guys. It's, it's, I'm, I'll go out on a limb and say it's not top of the league, but it's not bad. Um, and he was kind of better as the season went along. He was targeted less. Um, and I, I, I really think that with these young guys, um, they're going to, you know, test other guys, test a lot of other people. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't see number one wide receivers being the guys that beat us this year. Um, and I'll talk about his game against Amari Cooper to finish off the season last year in a second. But I think defenses are going to go after our young guys. And I don't, I see, I see Jack Rabbit's target rate going down a lot this season. No, yeah, the, the opposing teams are definitely going to take advantage of the rookies they got out there. Janoris won't be seeing as much action, but when he does get the action, he'll be, in my opinion, the very quality corner. And yeah, that that Tavon Austin play, yes, it did shape a lot of people's opinions on him for the season, especially mine. But like w- when you go back and look at it, it was more t- well, one Tavon Austin is extremely fast. Not many corners can keep up with him, but it's also he kind of slipped on the beginning of the play, and that was the end of it right there. There was no hope in stopping Tavon Austin with his breakaway speed. But, yeah, he, he definitely got better as the season progressed. Yeah, tw- 20, I said yeah too many times right there. But 2017 was a you very— have to say, You have to say no, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> no, but 2017, yeah, that was a strange season for everyone. DRC got suspended. Landon Collins called Eli Apple a cancer. That, that, that season was not— a very good season that was one for like arguably one of the worst seasons for an, for Giants history and one of the worst seasons for the NFL, for an NFL team in quite some time but now with all that out of the way he's the last man standing from that 2016 group of guys of OV and snacks 
uh, he's gonna have a lot of riding on because yes, as the giant, yes, they have all those guys right behind him. But he's also gonna be a trade asset if the Giants really start to go downhill, or if all these young guys get better and can take over his job. He can easily be gone at the trade deadline. So he's got a lot riding on this because he's still got two years left on his deal. Well, twenty twenty. He got, yes, 2019 this year, then he got 2020, and then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2021. So Giants could easily use him as a, uh option during the trade deadline, or if the Giants keep going, they can use him in their starting group. But these young guys are going to be nipping at their heels because they're all very good, and they can all be starting this league at one point in their career. Got DeAndre Baker coming down on him, Julian Love coming down on him, Sam Beal, who knows what Sam Beal has. He's been injured basically all training camp. But Corey Ballantyne's been a rising star, so... I'm intrigued to see how he handles it through the first week of the season and onwards because the Giants aren't going to have much patience with him with all the talent they got at corner. Yeah, let's talk about his future. Like I agree with you 100%. If the Giants are struggling and they're in another the same situation they were at the deadline last year, I see them moving on from him no matter what the other young guys are doing. But if we're you know holding water or playing well, dare I say, they're going to hold on to him, and I can see them holding on to him for next year as well. Um you know, you just look at his contract. Uh, you know, for the next two years, he has you know eleven point two million in salary with bonuses and everything. Um, so he's obviously part of the team this year. But if we were to cut him like next year, say we hold on to him and just flat out cut him, uh, that would save eight million. But we have like sixty six million dollars in cap space next year. So really, there are no like we don't we we don't need any salary cap dumps. So if he's playing well, I would see them bringing him back or trading him. Um, and like we said in the beginning, I think that's going to be a huge motivator for him. That like, you know, I might get traded, and I don't want that to happen. Um, so like, like he's got to fend these guys off, and he has to play great this year, or like you said, he's gonna be gone. No, yeah, and Jack Rabbit, I, I believe he really wants to be in New York. I feel like this is where he doesn't want to end his career, but he wants to spend time here. Uh, in 2018, he converted his four point five million of salary into a bonus. He helped clear three million of cap space. So he he's a team player. You some people might look at Jack Rabbit and be like, oh, he's all about himself, but not. Jack Rabbit wants to see the team win. He wants to help the team win. And right there is an example. He took a pay cut. You know, he converted his money as a bonus, but he helped the team gain some cap space. So yeah. 2017 was just a bad look for everyone on that team, and he was unfortunately part of that bad look with getting for a game. But, no, you're right. If the Giants are winning, he's going to be on this team uh, helping them go to the playoffs. If they're losing and we're right at that trade deadline, Giants will get rid of him because they had suitors for him last year, but as I said, they viewed him as the future of this team to help train the rookies, so they wanted to keep him. But teams are going to be looking for him because he's going to be a quality corner on that trade market if the Giants uh, really stink. And he'll go to a contender and really help them out. Yeah, and I do think he feels a little safer now that Sam Beal um, has kind of been sidelined in camp and, and hasn't been what we expected, just one because he's not been out there being able to produce. Um, but before we move on, I do want to talk about, uh, you know, because we talked about him against number one wide receivers. And so I just want I popped on the Dallas game uh, week 17 because I, you know, I watched, you know, week one. And then I, I like to just watch it in quarters. Um, in a game that didn't mean anything, he played really good against Amari Cooper. And we all know Amari Cooper was great when he got traded to the Cowboys. Um, in those eight games, he averaged five and a half catches per game, 87 yards per game, and six touchdowns with a target rate of 23%. And what was the most impressive number was a 75% catch for target rate. He had never ha- he had never he didn't have a game for the Cowboys where his catch for target rate was less than 50%. And even like the top wide receivers have those games. Um, so, like, Amari Cooper was really good. And they had Jenkins on him that whole game. 
Uh, Cooper only had five catches for 31 yards, and a couple of those catches were not uh, Jenkins-related because it was, you know, a cover three zone play, and, and, and Cooper went to the middle of the field. Um, so five catches for 31 yards, that's a 56-yard that's a decrease from his average. His target rate actually went up by 2%, but essentially the same, but the 45% catch per target rate, um, only five catches on 11 targets, and his worst besides that was 57 um, so Amari Cooper had his worst game against Janoris Jenkins. And if you go and watch the t- film, like he was locking him up. Um, and he, like they try and run, uh, Cooper on these, like uh, these 15 yard comebacks. Jenkins was already there. Um, he had, I, I don't want to call it a drop interception, but it kind of was, uh, but like he just made plays and Dak did not want to go to Cooper when he was on the sideline lined up with Jenkins. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully that's something that can carry over. We're going to see that in week one with Cooper versus Jenkins and, it can really set the tone for the season if he has a, a good game against Cooper and kind of shuts down that offense. I, I, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Zeke yet, but yeah, he, he's huge for this defense. Um, I, I'm not going to say he's the most important player for this defense, but he's certainly going to be really important. Janoris Jenkins really likes to have good games against Dallas Cowboys, number one receivers. Obviously, I said that with the Tavon Austin play, but look, he shut down Des Bryant twice in 2016. Basically, Dallas and him moved on after, not after that. I don't exactly know when Dallas released Des Bryant, but I feel like he wasn't the same after that, so I give all the credit to Janoris Jenkins. That Sunday night football game, Des Bryant's only catch, he he fumbled it after Janoris Jenkins popped it out. Then, as you said, in a game, he basically covered Amari Cooper quite well, so yeah, in the week one, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch, see how Amari Cooper adjusted to Norris Jenkins because he, for some reason, Jenkins has the formula to shut down Dallas's receivers at some time. So, and as you said, with the possibility of Zeke not even being there, that's something that we're going to have to monitor as we get closer to week one. Uh, Dallas is really going to have to rely on that passing game because their backup running backs, Alfred Morris, and that that's nothing to write home about. We have better backup running backs of Paul Perkins and Wayne Gallman. So, uh, seeing how they adjust to that, Janoris Jenkins could have a very good game in week one against Dallas. And someone you want to see how he plays now with all these young guys nipping at his heels because his spot isn't all but guaranteed now. So it's going to be fun to watch Jack Rabbit this year. Definitely. All right, let's move on from Janoris Jenkins and take a quick break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's talk about a guy that we actually didn't have on this original list for player profile previews, but with injuries and the addition of TJ Jones, who we essentially did his own episode in a regular episode, and he, but mostly on his doing because he's been making waves in camp. CJ Conrad, the tight end out of Kentucky, and Danny, me and you both liked him. I think he was one of the undrafted free agents. I know we get super high on all of them, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like let's let's ease the brakes. These guys mostly don't make the team right away. Um, especially with C.J. Conrad because he's got three solid guys ahead of him with Ingram, Ellison, and Simonson. But he's been making waves in camp, and like there's a good chance he makes it on this roster, and they might even you know hold on to an extra tight end. Um, I think as we get through preseason, that'll make itself more evident. But I really do think he's actually in a legit battle for Scott Simonson, and he might be able to win this job, um, and then eventually being that number two to Evan Ingram. He's he's not going to be battling Evan Ingram or Red Ellison. He's mainly going to be battling Scott Simonson, but that's just what makes his position on this depth chart so weird. There are four tight ends, and all three of them are very good tight ends. So it's hard for me right now. Yes, he's been good in training camp, but right now trying to see him 
on the roster after the 53-man cutdown is really a struggle for me to see. I could totally see them bringing it back as a practice squad member because Red Ellis' time on his team is coming to an end, uh, but that relationship was there with Sherman that they could extend him. But uh, Evan Ingram hopefully is the future of this team. I believe he'll have a very good year this year, and that will prove that. And then once Red Ellis is gone, Scott Simons is going to take his spot. Then maybe you can bring him up or just his position is just so weird right now with the talent the Giants have at tight end because it's not a terrible position for us. Uh, we got guys that can ball out every Sunday. So his preseason is going to be very important for him because uh, he has the struggle to make this team right now. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Simonson, and I like Simonson. I think he's a good piece. But I could also see Conrad playing himself above him, and I think that will be his best shot to the 53. But I do see, you know, he will be a practice squad guy at, at bare minimum. Um, but let's talk about his time at Kentucky. You know, he's 6'4", 250 pounds um, at the Combine. Or no, not at the Combine. He was, and he was sent home from the Combine, and this is one of the reasons he went undrafted because they did some tests on him. He had a heart condition, and it looked like he wasn't even going to be able to play in the NFL. And then he, you know, went to the, his actual doctors, and they passed him and cleared him. Um, he got to run his own, like, mini Combine at Kentucky. Where he ran a four seven forty, had a thirty three inch vertical and twenty one uh, bench press reps, which all would have been top ten out of the tight ends in the combine. Um, and at Kentucky, he his last season he had thirty catches, three hundred eighteen yards, and three touchdowns. That was second on the team for production in the receiving game. Um, but like, I think his best thing is like he runs good routes, but man, his hands are solid, and we've seen that through OTAs, rookie camps. Like, he doesn't drop anything. Like the guy has really solid hands, and that's. That's like kind of the way you get yourself on the field as someone who's not going to be a starting tight end and is going to be in that blocking route, that when the ball comes your way, you're going to make plays. And he did that at Kentucky. I mean, the first time I was introduced to C.J. Conrad was watching Big George film, and there was this play against Mississippi State where he just – and I'll, I'll tweet it out the day we released this. And he just absolutely just had this acrobatic, amazing catch, unbelievable. Um, and so, yeah, like the number – like tight end numbers are never going to be good in college, but he also – was part of a horrible quarterback. I mean, their quarterback passing was frustrating to watch. I mean, he's as inaccurate as you can get. Um, he was more of a runner. But, yeah, like, C.J. Conrad was pretty solid, and if he doesn't have that heart condition, which scares teams away, uh, I'm pretty confident that he would have got drafted. And, I mean, he was projected to, you know, before the heart condition. No, oh, yeah, that heart condition, uh, it, it will definitely scare teams away. Obviously, you had uh, Montez Sweat who had a heart condition, but that didn't stop the Redskins from drafting him. But that's different. Montez Sweat is a very good player. C.J. Conrad, he has potential, but he's more of a, a what-if right now. So, yeah, he definitely would have been drafted. He did have this heart condition, but rightfully, the heart condition scared teams away. Not many people can play in the NFL with a heart condition, but obviously he got cleared, so good for him, but... Yeah, I could totally see him competing for Scott Simerson's job, but it's just cool to see him make a name for himself in camp with not many people, excluding me, not expecting so much out of him in camp. He's made good catches. It, it sounds like his blocking has improved. Uh, he just sounds like he's a tough guy overall, so that will all help him in the future to try and earn a spot on this team. Yeah, you mentioned his blocking, which is really interesting, and you know we talked about this, that I thought he was a decent blocker at Kentucky. I don't think he was a great one. There was times where he just kind of got banged around. Um, he wasn't like a guy you can just trust on a defensive end, which most tight ends you can't. But at, when you're an NFL guy at the college level, you should be doing pretty well. Um, but he also got to go against guys like Josh Allen in practice. Um, so, yeah, from what we've heard, 
Um, his blocking has been good. I want to see that in the preseason before I make any judgment on his blocking. Um, in fact, that's what, you know, in those preseason games, that's what I'll be looking for the most to seeing about his game. Um, obviously, the catches and, and that will be all what's fun and what we remember. But I want to see how good he is in the blocking because I thought it was a little bit questionable, Kentucky. And at the NFL, uh, you know, you have to be ready. If you're going to if you're not going to be a starting tight end speedster like Evan Ingram, one of those kind of guys. But if you're going to have like a Red Ellison, Jason Witten type uh, tight end, you have to be able to be a consistent blocker at all times. And so that that'll be interesting to see what we get out of Conrad in the preseason. No, yeah. When, when we do our 53-man roster predictions, which I believe we're going to do, it, he's going to be someone that's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, as you said, we're going to have to watch it very closely in the preseason because uh, it sounds like his growth from Kentucky to the NFL has been tr- uh, pretty impressive. So, uh, excuse me right there. But, yeah, his growth has been imp- – sounds like very good from Kentucky to New York. Coaches seem like to be a fan of him. Seems like he brings a toughness to practice. Sounds like he's improved pretty much in every category. But now this Thursday or whenever this is going out, I, I keep forgetting we pre-recording this, but I believe this is going out before Thursday. So on Thursday, watch C.J. Conrad. See his block and see how he improves route running-wise. Because I believe, I believe he's been running with the 13 players. So if I had to guess, he'll probably – play with Alex Tanney if I have to guess so Alex Tanney is a journeyman backup quarterback but uh, I feel like Tanney should bring out something in uh, CJ Conrad so we'll get a good feel for Conrad so yeah just watch him in preseason because he could light up preseason and be a star of the preseason for the Giants yeah so let's just get right into it Danny do you see him making the 53 and if you do do you see as it bumping Simonson off or for some reason, I'm adding a fourth tight end. See, this is so hard to predict without a uh, preseason film. But if I'm going right now based off my gut feeling, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he doesn't make the 53-man roster. I feel like they got like something to Simonson. I feel like he he's approved after getting some playing time last year. So I'm going to say he doesn't make the 53-man roster. But he brings back as long as he wants to i believe he will but the giants will bring him back to the practice squad and groom him hopefully no teams take a like it to him hopefully they're also very, very scared of his heart condition but the future on the team as long as he stays because uh i feel like red ellison this is really his last chance to prove something at the moment yeah i i agree 100 uh, as of now i don't see him making it um i don't see them at a, having a fourth tight end especially when we're going to run four running backs when you include the fullback yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't see him making it at this moment. But like you said, preseason is going to be huge for this guy. Um, and should we make the Jason Witten uh, comparison? That just seems like everyone has made the comparison of him to Jason Witten. Uh, undrafted guy out of the SEC. And he's white and not that fast. Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, all the comparisons are there. I'm just saying. Uh, so, yeah, that's an episode. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you, C.J. Conrad, by the way, if you're listening or if any of his family members are listening. Like if you know how they got those family members like that, they just consume everything of their guys that are in the NFL. Like like if you if you post anything about Cody Latimer, I promise you uh, his aunt, Lady Latimer, will uh, (laughs) reply to you. I promise you. Test me. Test me. Anybody that's listening. Post something positive about Cody Latimer and Lady Latimer will reply. I I figured that out when we interviewed him for Simple Man uh, last year. So if you guys are enjoying these. Leave a rating review. It means a lot. Our our rating reviews kind of suck. I, we need to kind of do some kind of wager 
or put something on the line uh, for us to get our reviews up. I'd like to have 100 by the season starts. Um, I'm not going to do it on the episode right now because that's that's how I'm going to get myself into a really bad situation. But Danny, we need to we need to workshop something for one of us to have to do if we get to 100 reviews before uh, t- tip off. Tip off. What am I talking about? Basketball kickoff in Dallas. So, but until then, maybe send us some recommendations. By the way, and, all right. Until next time, folks. Let's go big blue. Some of these guys got to get their head out of their ass around here. podcast you just heard was made using anchor ever thought about making your own podcast anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started it's a one-stop shop for recording hosting and distributing podcasts best of all it's a hundred percent free sign up now at anchor.fm slash new that's anchor.fm slash new to get started